Welcome to the Bread and Wine Podcast, episode number 12. Welcome in, welcome in. In this episode, we are going to discuss the use and symbology of bread and wine, but probably primarily bread today, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, and what that actually means for us today. Mm. This This sounds like an infomercial, but guess what? I'm buying it. Whoa. Are you saying that I could uh, be a voiceover for an infomercial? I think you could be on a commercial tomorrow with your voice. Wow. I I think your voice is excellent, by the way. Anyone out there that has any jobs for me to uh, voice over, I would be happy to do that. How about that? Bless the Lord. You know, whenever we decided to do this, or Seth actually had the idea to focus on bread and wine. Hey, the podcast is named the Bread and Wine Podcast. So, you know, why don't we have some episodes on what the bread and wine represents in scripture and what that of course means for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Seth decided, you know, you can't, if you're watching on Facebook or the YouTubes, you can see this, but if you're listening on the podcast, Seth brought wine and bread. That's right. I was like, bingo. Yep. I mean, that's, there's something, you know, exciting about bread and wine straight up. Yeah. I think the Lord, I mean, the, the psalmist says the Lord gives wine to gladden the heart of man and food is our sustenance and all this cool stuff. Like sometimes we just suck the fun out of things. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it, any given weekend, you'll find me and John at a vineyard. <laughs> yeah. Enjoying that with other folks. And it honestly, some of the best conversations and some of the best times of my life have taken place around bread and wine. Yeah. And I think it's a powerful thing that the Lord has created for us. I think so too. Um, and you know, of course, if you've had struggles with alcoholism or something like that, right. we understand we're not pushing things, no. alcohol, wine on you, but I do feel like sometimes in the church, we've just kind of sucked away what God has given as a joyful, right. exciting thing for us as something like wine. Um, as we drink it responsibly, it mm-hmm. should be joyful. Yeah. Gladdens the heart of man. Okay. So <clears throat> to open up this episode, uh, I wanted to just take a quick step back and maybe give a little bit of the why so that we don't just kind of jump in and start talking about the bread and it means this, and it could mean that. And we're just kind of like, what's happening right now. Um, I want to frame this up in the idea of God and his kingdom, which is the story of the Bible. We've talked about that. And I think it's a good segue from last week, whenever we had Isaac on who we talked about, Hey, oftentimes in Christianity, we single out little pieces of that or this, or we talk about, you know, our, uh, Jesus died for your sins so that you can be forgiven. And there's truth to that, but that wasn't the message that John the Baptist came to preach. That wasn't the message that Jesus preached. Their messages were repent. The kingdom of God has, is at hand. The kingdom of God has come near to you. And what I think is really, really cool is that in this grand scheme of this great kingdom of God that we read through, you know, Israel, uh, what it means for God to reign as king with Israel, what it means for God to reject, no, excuse me, Israel to reject God as king and what it means for the king to come back and to be, you know, reinstituted God as king. The cool, one of the cool things is, is God uses in this idea of this, this great cosmic kingdom of God this beautiful rulership of God, he uses something as simple as wine and bread Mm -hmm. to bring people together to express who he is and uh, to share who he is with us. 
and I think that's just so cool, man. It's so real and it's so practical. Mm-hmm. And our God is is just that those two things Amen. and more. Yeah. So we're gonna kind of go through really go through kind of the narrative chronological a little bit, um, unveiling of the scriptures on what the bread and the wine represent and and then talk about the practicals of, you know, why is that so important for us to really mm-hmm. know, to understand that revelation so that we can begin to really partake in these symbologies in the way that Jesus wanted us to and and just see the power of God unveiled by by partaking in those. Um, so to start, I think um, you said unveiled. Oof, it's maybe unveiled. Yeah, you're taking you're I'm taking the, the calves out. I'm from the south. I know you said unveiled, but that's just the way it came. You out. know, we're from the deep south. We it, are from. It, the- it passes. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, did I throw you off there? No. Um, so we're gonna go all the way back to the Exodus out of Egypt, um, and the Israelites at this time, uh, they've you know gotten through all the 10 plagues and Egypt has let them go and they get into the wilderness and they start grumbling and complaining because they get really hungry and which, you know, who can blame them? I would get hungry too. If I was in the wilderness. I'd be like, Wait, where's my food at? Uh, let me just say this. If you've ever seen Seth hungry, he can get hangry. Yeah. I'm not proud of it. No, he'll be like, I'm sorry, John. Like, it's not bad that bad, but you'll be like, I'm just kind of in a bad mood now because I'm starving and I, I need to eat something. I'm, I get thrown off. And and that's something the Lord actually talked to me about. He's like, you need to provide for your physical body too. Yeah. You know, that's important. But Which is what's happening in the story. That's right. They need provision for their physical bodies. Yeah. And they start complaining like, man, in Egypt, we were in slavery. Yeah. But at least we had some food on the table. And so, you know, this these complaints reach up to the ear of God and he says, okay, I'll provide for you. And he rains down what they eventually call manna. From heaven, so it's essentially this little wafer-like bread substance that tastes like honey, and uh, it's it's you know providing for them their hunger, um, and so they they they're crying out for this, and God is providing, and so we're seeing kind of in the very beginnings, really, of the story of God, this provisionary resource as being provided in the form of bread. Yeah, you know, absolutely, it's it's something that is essential to our beings, like it, it really is, and I think that that's. I think that's interesting here that God is revealing himself as the provider of something essential, even when humankind is grumbling, Mm -hmm. even when we are kind of doing our thing. Unfortunately, I hate to say that. I won't, there's certain words I'd like to use, but I won't because it's a, it's a Christian podcast or whatever, but like complaining about things and, uh, and you see God, even in the midst of that, like saying, you know what, I will, I'll, I'll bring provision. And what I think is really, really cool is not only do you have the miracle here of the manna, that absolute miracle. Yeah. 100%. That manna comes from heaven. 100%. But on the sixth day, God says, gather twice as much and don't gather on the seventh day. So there's a miracle that God is also revealing his miraculous power that he had told them on every other day just to collect enough for one day. Mm-hmm. One day's, one day's, one day's, one day's, one day's. And then magically, there's enough for two days and then not the next day. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's not magical. It's it's God's power. But like God just like showing out in this, in this, uh, in this part of it. And I just think. I think that's amazing. And then I also think is amazing that 
you see not only the idea of bread here, but you see that tied into like the idea of rest and on the seventh day and stepping back and just, we talked earlier with being enjoying God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Enjoying the fact that he's our provider, not trying to work, work, work on the, you know, when he said, no, you take a day off on the seventh day. Creation was to rest, to enjoy who he is. And there's an, an element, I believe of that, of just enjoy the manna. Yeah. Enjoy each other. Yeah, and you're not even talking about something, some kind of spiritual pleasure here. It's just the physical fact of this bread is tasty, and yeah. I enjoy it. And I and something happens, I think, and we've been experiencing this. Like whenever we get together as a community or as a family or as friends or even as strangers, and we break bread at the table, we start to eat, we start to share stories, we start to kind of just get eased into our lives a little bit there's something powerful that happens when we share that meal sure. and it, it, that's something that you've really been experiencing i would love to hear your thoughts on that like what's well, really happening with i that? think that there is a problem in our society first of all and that is that we have not completely eliminated but the idea of breaking bread and having meals together has become very few yep. i mean we always have those stories I mean, Grandma, we we share a grandmother. You know, grandma would have her you bake her something out on Sunday afternoons. Family would be dropping in. You yeah. eat together, chat, talk. The door's always open. Hospitality is strong, and food is right there in the middle of it all. And now it's like if someone rings your doorbell, you're like, "Who the heck is that? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. what's going on?" Like the idea of us enjoying and having meals together and stuff does happen here and there. We go out with our friends here and there, but it's not this like super, super vital part and vital role. And I think that God made us to have this vital part and vital role to where we break bread together. We enjoy one another. And um, I think that that that's a problem that needs to be restored. Um, yeah. For us, I think God created us to enjoy this stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. Even like whenever you mention this and we're not doing like a whole survey of every Bible verse on bread and wine. But if you look back to very early in uh, Genesis, whenever Abraham wins a war, what happens? This priest, this Melchizedek king, I'm sorry, this, this king, this king of Salem comes out and it's a celebration. Yeah. What does he bring? Bread and wine to celebrate the victory. And something that we, many people don't know is that bread was the main course oftentimes in antiquity. Like now we're like, I need a, you know, steak and taters. Yeah. Give me something like that. But oftentimes this was the meal. And so it was like, it was like, Hey, let's celebrate what God has done for you, Abraham. And then when we get to the wilderness, it's like, God is like, I'm giving you this, this, this food, but also there's this time rest, chill, trust me. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know, curious, Seth, what do you think that, like, what does that mean for us? Like, what, what are some of these things that we're, that we're hearing? What does that mean for uh, the Christian, the follower of Jesus today with some of the struggles that we have? What do you think? Well, I think very practically just having meals together with people that we love is yeah. so important. Um, but what, what particularly happens when we do that? Like not the meal itself, but what happens when we do that? is what's the most powerful thing. When Jesus, when we read the scriptures, I think most of Jesus's miracles and, and a lot of them, uh, a lot of his teachings, a lot of his revelations, and a lot of what he did with his disciples was over a meal. Mm -hmm. um, and 
what happens there? I mean, w- let's go to the feeding the 4,000 and feeding the 5,000. Like every time we see bread kind of being broken in the scriptures, the power of God is just unleashed. You know, he takes this loaf of bread and he gives it to, you know, 5,000, 10,000 people and it feeds everybody and it's multiplied. And this amazing miracle, this power of God is unleashed. And think about the people that are having to, you know, they're physically having to break the bread and share it with their neighbor. Mm -hmm. Imagine the conversations that were happening about the master and, oh my goodness, look what Jesus just did. He took this loaf and he provided for all of us. This is amazing. Or, or let's just go to, uh, you know, when which Jesus- whenever they did that, by the way, they the people looked back at this manna Exodus right. wilderness thing like, you know, they said Moses brought us bread in the wilderness. It's all interwoven and it's all connected. Mm-hmm. They saw, whoa, what's going on here? This this is something like Yahweh did. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah. Well, just to follow that, too, he says. I am the true bread of life that came down from heaven. Yeah. And they have to reconcile that. Like, well, Moses gave us bread from heaven. Jesus is like, I am the bread from heaven that I'm supposed to fill your hunger. Mm-hmm. Your spiritual hunger is supposed to be filled by me. Take and eat of me. Be filled by me. Have your sustenance from me. And yeah. that was a really hard thing for them to hear. Um, but, you know, even going back to uh, Jesus, when he resurrects from the dead, and he's walking with the Emmaus disciples. And for some reason, they don't recognize who Jesus is. Until he breaks the bread. They don't know who he is. And he talks with them and he goes through the scriptures with them. But they get to the dinner table. And they're sitting there about to eat dinner. They want to hear more from Jesus. Even though they don't know it's him, they just think it's some awesome guy. He knows a lot about the scriptures. The second that Jesus breaks the bread, they instantly recognize him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, practically for us, there is something spiritual, I think, when we sit down and break bread with people because of the conversations that happen, because of the level of depth and intimacy that we get with people, and just because I think God has made it that way for a purpose and a reason. Yeah. Whenever you're, I kept thinking whenever we talked about, you know, having meals together, how do you like find your spouse? Like, this is one place in our culture where that's a huge part of it. (laughs) (laughs) When you really, and I say that to say, it's re- really when you really want to get to know someone. That's a good point. Oftentimes you do go have coffee with them. You have food yeah. with them. You have, and then, and that, that's a place. And I think that that's one of the reasons sometimes we shy away from it because we are afraid of the intimacy. Yeah. That's like, true. especially if you're a one-on-one and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go. I don't know what is Seth going to be like? Is he going to like me? I'm not really sure. And so mm-hmm. we kind of shy, shy away where God uses bread to bring together and to bring growth sometimes we're the ones that are kind of going, Oh, I don't really know, you know, should I do that? You know, whatever. So I I think that that's huge. I think the idea that God is provider. Some of us need to hear that right now. That's on the podcast that, that we've complained. We're not really sure what's going on, but there's a recognition that God's not just a provider. Um, He's a very generous provider you know, the bread of the presence or the table of showbread. One of the things that the Jewish people talk about that rabbis talk about is that that represents not you know only the presence of God, but it represents the generosity of God, his desire to take care of us. Now that doesn't mean that we're lazy. If there's people listening here, that's like, Oh God can't provide, but you can't get your butt off the couch to go to work. Then it's a you problem, not a God problem. <laughs> mm. I'm just saying like we, we, right. Sound like old grumpy man, John, I'm just, 
being real. Like yeah. sometimes it is our faults because we're just lazy. Well, the disciples, the Israelites had to go and collect the bread. That's right? what I was going to say. They had That's to right. get it. They had to go get it. That's exactly what I was going to say. God didn't just, they didn't open up their mouths and it fell into it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> God was a provider, but yeah, they, they did that. And then the idea that he's, he's generous. And then what I love what you're saying about when he, you know, he's breaking bread, we get this idea that God desires multiplication to take place. God desires. Yeah. Jesus was deeply hurt that they weren't fed. There was a problem. He saw the crowds and it disturbed him, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful characteristic of God to go, hey, when we're not fed, even very practically, it's disturbing to him. There's something wrong mm-hmm. about that. And he wants to do something about that. And then we look at us and disciple making and things. And when there's people who are physically and spiritually hungry, I think God is disturbed when there's spiritually hungry people and the church is just sitting back in our ivory tower yeah. doing our thing. And they're going, oh, I need something. I need something. Yeah. Imagine if every time you went to dinner with someone or even with your wife and you intentionally sat around a table and you ate and talked together, if you had the faith that God is going to do something here, mm-hmm. something like if I'm listening to the Holy Spirit right now, God is going to do something powerful in this conversation and in what we talk about. Imagine taking faith into every meal that you have with somebody and saying, God's power is going to be revealed right now. Like, how, how much life change will we be seeing from that? Or, or if we took the initiative to in, intentionally invite people That's one of the keys. out to dinner yeah. or to our house for dinner or to, to lunch. Like, I mean, John, me and you, probably the best moments of disciple making that we've ever had have taken place because we have spent time eating with somebody. Yeah. That's just honest. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. We've, we have taken, taken something as important as that and put it down to a cracker and a cup Mm -hmm. on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Maybe once a month, maybe once a quarter. And we have forgotten the art of, and not just, I'm not even just talking about the Lord's supper, but like, like grandma's church, you know, like they would have a meal after every Every time they got together, right? They'd have a service, go down in the basement, eat yeah. together, talk. They there's like it's it's what it means to be human. Yeah. And for some reason we've lost some of that. And it I think it's really, really hurting us. And I think oftentimes, you know, we look at how can I evangelize? How can I evangelize? How can I reach lost people? And we think and, and we have we have taken something as beautiful as getting relationships with one another, having meals together, chatting it up taking care of people and we've reduced it to I go on a street corner and I try to meet a few people and convince them that Jesus is Lord. Yeah. Jesus ate with tax collectors. Jesus ate with sinners. Jesus said, remember me by eating a meal. Jesus's form of evangelism was dinner parties all the time, (laughs) all the time. Um, it is because people talk to each other, man. And then you throw a glass of wine in there and people just relax a little bit more. Right. right. And like, yeah, yeah, we, and it's really fun. Like it, it, it can be, I get it when you're, if you're real and I, and I get it. Seth and I are a little more extroverted. So maybe people listening, I'm thinking that are going, yeah, John, but that's like really tough for me. Um, And I would say there's ways around it. So like, if you have, if you're very introverted and you have friends that are a little more outgoing, why don't you invite them while you invite new people to the meal? Like have a little few people come out. You don't always have to go one-on-one with right. people. You know what I mean? Like, like there's 
find ways to 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 do that because I it's just it, I think there's just incredible things that God wants to do through it. Yeah. I do want to hit on the spiritual side of this too, just because it's so powerful. And I think it gives greater meaning to the physical side of these, these things. Um, so I'm just going to read first Corinthians chapter 10, and this is verse uh, 16 and 17. Paul's talking about the importance of partaking and sharing the bread and the wine. He says the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because there was one bread, we who are many are one body since all mm-hmm. of us share the one bread. And so uh, p- part of this too is, is remembering and reflecting on the sacrifice that Jesus made, his body being the bread and his blood being spilled, being the wine, uh, the wine of God's wrath that Jesus has satisfied the wrath of God for us. And the breaking of the bread, uh, the partaking in the wine together unites us mm-hmm. uh in like holy matrimony saying we share in that sacrifice together praise the lord so it's really an act of worship too uh, this deep intimacy not only with each other but with jesus when we're remembering what he has done and what he has paid for what he has made possible for us uh in that sacrifice of his body and Mm -hmm. resurrection of his body Mm -hmm. and what I think is so I, I I've been reading a book, um, Faithful Presence, uh, and I can't remember David Fit Finch maybe. Um, one thing that he did to kind of tie some of this together is, uh, and I don't think it was him actually. He was telling the story of somebody else. They decided to implement a neighborhood Lord's Supper, hmm. and talk to their neighbors and shared with them that we're going to implement a meal together, and they told them what they're going to do. But in the midst of it, there were places, Seth, where as they're having this physical meal together, they take moments to say, this is why we do these things. They might reference what you were just sharing and wow. go, listen, this is showing us. That would be powerful. And, yeah, it is. And at first it was real kind of messy and people didn't really know what to do. But over time, many people, he said, were physically healed, mm. uh, were restored to the Lord, uh, gave their life and decided to follow uh, Jesus. And it's just like it was over this meal and then in the midst of it, constantly recognizing the presence of God that was there among them. And again, things like what you were sharing about us being one and stuff like that. Yeah. And and another cool revelation is that Jesus's body being the bread, it was broken. Yeah. You know, his body was broken. And, and when we physically break a piece of bread, like that's representing Jesus's body was broken for you. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Partake in this, brother. T- take this and remember this and receive what he has done. Uh, and Jesus, he says even some hard things to his disciples that where many desert him. He says, my flesh <laughs> yeah. is, a, is the bread and you have to eat it. And and my blood is the wine and you have to drink it. And, mm-hmm. and that's like this crazy thing, right? I'm going to eat your flesh. I'm going to drink your blood. And that's like, what? But it's like, are you receiving what he has done? Are you partaking it for spiritual satisfaction, for fulfillment, for contentment? He has provided it. And so we get to partake in that physically and spiritually now. And and I'm even being convicted that I don't reflect on that mm-hmm. while I'm eating enough. Like yeah. I want to take I want to take this communion right now. Yeah. Hey, no, <laughs> it's good. Like I mean, yeah. Well, we should hear it after we're done or something. Or, <laughs> after we're done, yeah, yeah. we can do that. Um, uh, that John 
chapter six passage about Jesus saying, eating my flesh and drinking my blood is just like, if you go back and read that whole thing, he like doubles and triples down on this. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And like, we, you know, we're kind of the kind of people that are like, you got to come to the Lord. You got to know him. And we are like trying to super convince and he's sitting there going, saying things that he knows are offending these people. Totally. And he's just like, if you want to want to follow me, follow me. But, but another thing I wanted to mention was you, you talked about first Corinthians 10 and um, that kind of spiritual aspect of it. One chapter over, you get into a combination of kind of spiritual and physical ideas because it's so interwoven and intertwined. And Paul talking about um, the importance of the Lord's Supper, the bread and the wine, and the fact that we are properly discerning his body as we take it. You kind of were mentioning that, like really thinking through and like that was a revelation for me was I used to just think about Jesus like in my mind, thinking of him sitting on his throne or being with me. But when I recognized that we are Christ's body, I began to ask myself, how am I, have I treated his body this week? Who have I not given to that you told me to give to? You know what I mean? Who have I uh, not spent time with that I know I should have spent time with? And I take that as a moment of, of repentance, you know, treated before my the Lord. Wife exactly. Kids. Yeah. Exactly. Cause, cause he says, cause what's crazy is that he says, you know, because you're not doing this right, some of you are getting physically sick. Mm-hmm. Like the spiritual and physical are intertwined and interwoven. Oh, like yeah. that's it's just the reality. Yeah. And so like when we're not spiritually healthy like that, it can actually make our body. I mean, it appears as though that's what Paul's saying is that it could actually make us physically sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's plenty of other places where that demons are possessing people and it's causing them physical sickness and stuff like that. I'm not saying that if you have a physical sickness, it's because you didn't take the bread and wine properly or anything, (laughs) but, but that's, that's a place that, you know, that there's a door that allows that apparently, as Paul says to, to let that be open, which also shows how just vitally important, you know, this idea of the bread and the wine and all this stuff is Mm. to God. Amen. Yeah. Um, we're, we're in and close to time, right? Yeah, I have one more thing to share, okay. but if you can, you want to go first or you good or? Um, no, I have a closer. Okay. So you go ahead. I'll go pretty quick. Um, so one thing that I thought was interesting in the same book that I'm actually reading was that it talked about the church was doing a, decided they're going to do a food pantry, uh, uh, serve meals to the poor. And what it, what ends up happening when you go do that? You've done that, right? Mm-hmm. The, 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 Good Christians are stand behind the stained glass, not stained glass, the stainless steel thing, slot food on a plate. They go kind of sit down with the homeless or those who are, you know, uh, struggling financially or whatever, kind of go and sit down and eat their meal. And we just kind of stand there and you just, you know, just kind of watch them. Uh, what they decided to do is they decided to ask these people what they could be doing better. And to their awe they said we would like to bring food why Mm. can't we bring food yeah there's this barrier (laughs) and they started bringing food they said we have food stamps like we can go get food and there's this thing that god the this the social barrier that god began to break down over a meal over meals together over going wait a second why don't we just eat together yeah why does this have to be us providing for you why can't this be believers uh or humanity yeah, coming together and just eating yeah and i was like that was just so powerful to me and it changed everything for yeah. that for that church and 
even what you're saying, like in a world that wants to dehumanize you. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe you see someone you're like, oh, that person's not even human. Yeah. Maybe try doing the most human thing that you can eating possibly do and eating with them. Yeah. And seeing what happens. Yes. You know, like, I, that's just. We have so many, we're talking about disciple making through this a lot of times. We have all these social barriers, barriers that I don't think we even realize we have. Yeah. It could be, you know, oh, I just don't like older people. I just don't like younger people. Oh, I heard he's a Republican. I heard she's a Democrat. Like there's so many of these things that are swirling around (laughs) that are preventing uh, healing and us delivering reconciliation to people that oftentimes you just have a meal with them and go, oh. Mm-hmm. They're they're not a demon. Yeah. <laughs> they just have different views than I have on they're, certain things. They're not things. the enemy. Yeah. She's pretty cool, actually. Right. You know, and I think that that's a that's part of the life giving nature of the bread, the generosity of God, everything that we've yeah. talked about, the healing and the reconciliation over a table and over a meal. That I just want to end personally by saying I encourage you to do that. I encourage you this yeah. week. I encourage you this week to go have a meal with someone whether it's lunch or dinner or whatever to go, Hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to invite somebody. I encourage you to do that with someone who doesn't follow Jesus Yeah, and just eat with them and don't stress out about what to say. Just have a good time. Be you, be you do it. The last thing I'll say is Jesus did this really, really well. And he particularly did it really well. And he gave us an amazing example uh, on the last supper where he's up Mm -hmm. in the upper room with his disciples um, he's about to be crucified. He's about to be arrested, all that. And his body's about to be broken. His blood's about to be poured out. Jesus looks at Judas, the one who has basically sold him away, uh, you know, given the information of where he's going to be. He looks at Judas in the eyes and he takes a piece of bread. He breaks the bread. He dips it into the wine and he hands it to Judas. And so... Literally, Judas has sold him into this, and Jesus symbolically does exactly what's about to happen to him and mm-hmm. gives it to Judas. He, he's sitting at the table with, you know, some would say his worst enemy, the one that gave yep. him over to this. It's, you know, it's crazy, Seth, because it was like if that happened to us, and I, please, I hope I'm not trying to be insensitive, we would need three years of counseling to deal with the fact that one of our best friends <laughs> stabbed us in the back, had, uh, had talked about us and given us away. And Jesus, instead of making it all about him and freaking out about it, just extends bread to a, to an enemy. Right. Yeah. And washes and, his feet during that scenario too. And the invitation is to take it. Uh, you know, it says, yeah. uh, I'll read this verse and I guess we can end it. Uh, this is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna your ancestors ate and they died. But the one who eats this bread, Jesus' body, the one who eats this bread will live forever. So the invitation then is to partake in this bread, to partake in Jesus' sacrifice, uh, to receive what he has done for your life, um, to receive healing, to receive sustenance, to receive contentment. The invitation is extended to you any of you out here, it's extended to our families. It's extended to our friends. It's extended to even the people you don't think it should be extended to, to to take this bread, to take Jesus and let him be your life. So practical, so beautiful. Yeah. Do you want to, should I, you want to pray? You want me to pray? It don't really matter. Pray out a bread blessing. All right. Okay. How does, yeah. So I'm going to bless the, the listeners, uh, whether they're on the podcast or watching the stream right now with uh, 
health that comes from the Lord, uh, that comes from the bread, physical health, uh, spiritual health, mental health. I bless them with new friends. I bless them with new connections. Uh, I bless them with meals, with enemies, uh, with relationships restored, uh, with reconciliation taking place, walls being destroyed. Uh, I bless them with paradigms shifting, (laughs) social walls that they've had or we've had up for years being broken down, and God's kingdom ultimately being brought near uh, to all kinds of people. Boom. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, that is episode number 12. We talked a lot about God's kingdom, bread, wine, meals, what that meant mean to share with that. Uh, if you are enjoying our podcast, we'd love for you to rate it, uh, share it with your friends, share it with your family. Um, yeah. And I think that's it. We'll uh, see you next week for episode, not next week, in two weeks for episode number 13. That is the bread and wine podcast.